Unfortunately, um, the Dynamite Kid Tom Billington passed away at the age of 60, on his 60th birthday, actually, uh, today, December the 5th. And I just feel compelled to sit here and talk about Dynamite for a few minutes. Uh, Dynamite Kid was one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. Uh, As a kid, I absolutely loved him. Being a big fan of the WWE in the mid-'80s, when I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old, the British Bulldogs were the best tag team to me. Of course, they had Matilda. That probably had a lot to do with it. But still, I mean, I love the British Bulldogs. And between the two of them, Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy Smith, to me, Dynamite Kid was the man of the team. And I just couldn't get enough of watching his style in the ring. I mean, just the quickness, the snap suplexes, the diving headbucks, the intensity. I just, I love Dynamite Kid. And that didn't change as I got older. I mean, one of my prized possessions I got when I was a kid was the Dynamite Kid LJN, a figure I still have to this day. As a matter of fact, I only have four LJNs. I have Dynamite Kid, Hulk Hogan, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and Terry Funk. Uh, as I got older, you know, I, I never lost my love for the Dynamite Kid. Uh, to me, though, it was frustrating because he, the British Bulldogs went away, and then only Davy Boy Smith came back, and he called himself the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. And at that time, you know, I wasn't aware of how big wrestling was in Japan. I didn't know how to get tapes. Uh, it's the 80s, you know. Uh, and then in the, when the 90s rolled around, I was finally able to get some of that classic footage of Dynamite Kid uh, against Tiger Mask. And, you know, one of my all-time favorite matches to this day is Dynamite Kid against Tiger Mask at Madison Square Garden. This match was head and shoulders above any wrestling you saw back then. I mean, it's actually kind of crazy how, like, that match still holds up today. Uh, with the intensity, with the high flying, just with everything. I mean, you know, you had Flair Steamboat, Hogan Piper, uh, Flair Dusty, but Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask had one of the greatest rivalries in wrestling back then, and that junior heavyweight division. And although primarily it was in Japan, they did wrestle in the United States. Again, I mean, they wrestled in Madison Square Garden. Uh, If you go on New Japan World right now, they have eight matches of the Dynamite Kids. Uh, And a couple of them, most of them, he's wrestling uh, Tiger Mask. And they're from 82, 83 time frame. And one of the matches, one I have on right now, uh, I'm kind of watching this with the sound off while I'm recording this, is that match uh, from Madison Square Garden. And this is pre-British Bulldogs Dynamite. Go watch it. Uh, search it on YouTube. I mean, it's it's. I know it's on YouTube because I've watched it there many times. Uh, you're going to find it with Japanese commentary for the best quality of the video, I believe. I think there is one that has uh, Vince McMahon kind of cutting in uh, several minutes into the match in commentary. Uh, but the quality of the video isn't as good. 
Also, if you go on WWE Network, they have many, many, many Dynamite Kid matches. Primarily, uh, his run with Davey Boy as the British Bulldogs. There's a couple single matches against Bret Hart. And then, even though there isn't a Stampede Wrestling section, there's still, if you search Dynamite Kid, you're going to come up with some Stampede Wrestling matches. And those are from the late 70s. And those, again, I mean, Dynamite Kid was ahead of his time. You know, um, again, for those not familiar, I mean, Chris Benoit, the the intensity that you saw from Benoit when he was in WCW, later WWE, I mean, uh, he modeled himself after Dynamite Kid. So it's sometimes it's eerie watching both of them wrestle because they're it's it's like watching it's like Benoit's a carbon copy of Dynamite sometimes. Yeah. Uh, again, unfortunately, Dynamite was only 60 years old, and he died on his 60th birthday. Uh, he hadn't wrestled a match, I since believe, 1996. And when you look at him uh, in his gear in that match, he does he's a shell of himself uh, from his heyday in the, in the late, you know, in the 70s and 80s, especially with his feud with Tiger Mask. And... Um, even later in his life, he was actually wheelchair bound, where you know he was only in a wheelchair. Uh, I managed to get my hands on his uh, Pure Dynamite book when it first came out, and I've read it so many times. It's not a very long book, but it's fantastic. Obviously, it's his point of view of everything, from how he rates wrestlers to the incidents with uh, Jacques Rougeau and things he may have did, some of the jokes he may have played on people, uh, ribs he pulled on people. Uh, like injecting Davy Boy Smith in the butt with milk, telling him it was steroids, or putting padlocks on bags, or just anything that he did. I mean, so it's it's a great book. It's a great read. Uh, you can find it on HighSpots.com right now for only $4. And while you're there, you should pick up the Pure Dynamite uh, DVD document that came out that High Spots did. Uh, Jake Manning had a lot to do with this. These guys did a phenomenal job. I mean, an absolutely phenomenal job on this documentary, they they talked to Dynamite today, uh, which he's definitely not a man of, of many words. They talked to a lot of, of people in his life, and they even talked to his daughter and her and his boyfriend. Sorry, her boyfriend, who are in in wrestling right now, and you know, it's I mean, technically, she's a member of the Hart family as well because you know Dynamite married. Well, no, she's not a member of the Hart family. Disregard, because Dynamite married Bret Hart's first wife's sister um but still she's a second generation uh wrestler with with uh with her dad and that lineage kind of linked to the Hart family so to speak but anyways uh i didn't write anything down i'm just riffing this off the top of my head but i i just you know it's it's sad that dynamite passed he's one of those guys that i i've tried to uh write to in the past just to you know, tell them how much I appreciate him and what he did in the ring and what he did for wrestling and just how, how in fact, he's one of my favorites. And I mean, honestly, it's it dynamite's the reason why I, I got so into the uh, British style of wrestling and why I, I became so drawn to that because of him, because of his style. And, and, you know, it, it gave me a greater love for wrestlers like, you know, uh, William Regal or Steven Regal and, and Fit Finley and Dave Taylor and Robbie Brookside and Rollerball Rocco and you know just you know all these great guys that came out of the UK uh, wrestling in Japan and then you know later in the states and whatnot and it was always kind of sad to me that we never got to see uh, Dynamite Kid Russell 
in the United States, essentially, after he left the WWE. I mean, I, I know he did, uh, like, uh, there's a match. It's actually on the network now, but it's like uh, the Bulldogs against the Rock and Roll Express from St. Louis. Uh, but I'm not sure if Dynamite ever worked in AWA. I, I, I know we didn't work in Jim Crockett Promotions or, 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 or WCW. I know he went back to Japan after his WWE run, but you know, he's just one of the best of all time. And uh, I can't recommend enough that if you've never heard of Dynamite Kid or if you've never seen Dynamite Kid, just do yourself a favor. Go completely out of your way. Find his matches. Watch his matches. And there's absolutely no way you're going to be disappointed. Oh, I just missed a big diving headbutt. Ah. <sighs> Uh, what else in wrestling? Oh, last Friday night, I, I attended Limitless Wrestling's No Control event. Uh, that was, I guess, live in Westbrook at the Armory. Uh, sorry, no, it was not in Westbrook this time. Again, I'm a little tired. I just finished a double. It was in Portland at the Portland Club, and I'm working on a post for the Wrestling Insomniac blog, something I haven't updated since November because of my work schedule. It has just been horrific honestly I'm uh, so much overtime and then my schoolwork which is finally coming to the end here soon the end of this semester but uh, it was a really great night of wrestling a packed house at the Portland Club uh, show opens up with uh, Ace Romero taking on Darby Allen pinned him with a lariat and then uh, in a mixed tag match Kevin not mixed tag I guess intergender tag Kevin Blackwood and uh, Harlow O'Hara defeated Doomfly and Eli Everfly and Delilah Doom when they pinned uh, Delilah Doom. Uh, the match of the night, unbelievable, tremendous match that told a tr- great story from beginning to end, and it was just huge in intensity, and just, I mean, it was so good. Ashley Vox submitted Anthony Green with her finish uh, fish hook gimmick that she does. I don't know what she calls it, honestly. But it was just so good. It was a great match. She kept going back to that move, and she was the underdog battling back from underneath, and it was it was a great match. I absolutely loved it. Definitely the match of the night. Just really, really good. The crowd was on their feet pretty much the whole time. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, after the match, uh, uh, Chris Statler came out to steal Ashley Vox's moment, like Ashley Vox has done to her so many times, and... Essentially, it led to them setting up a match for the next show in January, uh, but not until later on in the night. Uh, Daniel Garcia and Brandon Thurston uh, defeated the Thick Boys after pinning John Silver with a combination angle slam into a lung blower. So, yeah, that was a thing. Pretty awesome match, actually. It was a traditional tag match as opposed to the uh, kind of all-out crazy that uh, a lot of these tag matches can break down into. Uh, Chris Dickinson submitted Josh Briggs with an STF. This is a great match. You know, oh, so this Dynamite Kid match I'm watching on now, uh, Dynamite against Tiger Mask again. Brett, a young Brett Hitman Hart is in uh, seconding Dynamite to the ring in this. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Uh, Going back, Chris Dickinson submitted uh, Josh Briggs. Good match. Dickinson worked the leg, uh, a bunch of leg kicks the whole time, and then we just broke uh, Briggs down before hitting that uh, step over to a hold cross face for the tap out submission. Uh, DJ Z pinned Christian Casanova. This match was great. I mean, once again, 
second month in a row or second show in a row, I'm thoroughly impressed with DJZ. Uh, not a big fan of his at all during his time in TNA or Impact Wrestling, whatever you want to call it. But uh, his time here, uh, these two shows in Limitless in September and now here in November, whew, fantastic. Uh, Chris uh, Chris Statlander defeated uh, uh, Penelope Ford, and then post match Vox ran and attacked her. And uh, essentially, after the big referee pull apart, uh, Statlander challenged her to a non sanctioned no DQ match in Westbrook on January 11th. So you know that's going to be good. Uh, and then uh, Main State Posse defeated uh, Red Ant, Green Ant, well two of the ants, and Travis Huckabee. And a Lucha Rule six-man tag when they pinned Huckabee. Decent match. Uh, I've seen... I'm just going to say decent match. Uh, MSP were great, uh, as they usually are. Ants and Huckabee seem to be off a little bit. But uh, anyways. And the main event... I got them all right. Yep, I believe so. Main event. LAX uh, defeated uh, the Kings there. uh, When... uh, uh, Brody King got pinned. It was supposed to be MJF and JT Dunn uh, against uh, LAX, and then uh, MJF uh, hurt himself, broke his elbow, dislocated his elbow, tore a tendon. I don't know. He did something. He put him out of action. And uh, Brody King filled in. Brody King is awesome. Uh, you know, I think this is my third or fourth time seeing him at Limitless. Uh, he's, for a man of his size, he should not be able to move around like he does. I mean, just not at all. Just, But he can. And he's awesome about it. And he, uh, it was announced the next day on Sunday or Saturday to Sunday morning, pretty early actually, that Brody King is officially signed with Ring of Honor. So, I mean, that very well may have been one of, if not the last, independent appearance of uh, Brody King. I would definitely say the last limitless appearance of Brody King. So, kind <clears> of <throat> great for Brody King for getting that, you know, getting signed like that. Kind of shitty for us for, you know, losing him like that as a, as a fan of indie wrestling. Uh, Mikey and I had been talking that show, and we had said that we wouldn't be surprised to see him down in the the PC here sooner than later uh, because he's got a unique look. He's a big guy. He's covered in tattoos. He's athletic. um, But uh, no, he's going to go the Ring of Honor route, and I think this is going to be great. Uh, Also signed to Ring of Honor, PCO. At 50 years old, getting an exclusive contract deal with Ring of Honor. I mean, what a hell of a year. Plus, he's had coming essentially out of from obscurity, if you will, uh, to be one of the hottest things on the independent scene. To now, he's got an exclusive deal with Ring of Honor. So, uh, you know, good, good for good for the madman from uh, from Canada there, the man who's not human. PCO couldn't be happier for him. Uh, speaking of Limitless Wrestling, the next show, I mean, after the main event, uh, Brody King walks out and Ace comes out and he's basically challenging MJF and and uh, JT Dunn and uh, Anthony Green kind of makes the save before anything can happen. And essentially, you know, just for one night only, it's the uh, reunion of Take Me Home Tonight, Ace Romero and Anthony Green taking on MJF and JT Dunn on January the 11th back in Westbrook, Maine. And also making his Limitless Wrestling debut, uh, Anthony Everett. So I'm pretty excited about that. And Austin Theory returning. Pretty damn excited about that as well. A couple of guys. Hopefully they wrestle each other. That would be a hell of a match, you know? But anyhow, uh, Limitless Wrestling was a fantastic show as always. I can't wait. Uh, That actually... 
That show sums up my 2018, the year in live event wrestling. Uh, I managed to make it to nine shows. I had set a goal for ten, although some medical issues and work issues had me miss three limitless wrestling shows that definitely would have put me over that ten number. I'm happy with the shows I got to attend. I mean, I went to Limitless in uh, January, September, November. I went to Ring of Honor in May in Lowell, Massachusetts, and again in, in November in Lewiston. Uh, I got to go to uh, went to Ring of Honor. Sorry, I went to WWE in Augusta in July. Uh, house show there. I got some good tickets for. And then in March, you know, I got to do well, And then I got to go to uh, I went to a couple of um, IWE shows. Uh, and then in March, I got to check the biggest one of them all off the old bucket list. You know, a lifelong dream of always wanting to go. Uh, and that's Madison Square Garden, where I went in March for a uh, WWE house show. Uh, you know, I. I'm not going to say it was disappointing or a letdown, but unfortunately, you know, like, it wasn't the... We got a pay-per-view caliber lineup of talent on the show, and we got a house show caliber card. Uh, you know, it was cool to see Brock Lesnar wrestle live, because uh, he doesn't wrestle very many matches. I think he's only wrestled uh, 60 in the last five or six years that he's been back. Uh, might be less by now. Uh, it was cool to see... Um, I believe it was Drew La- Drew Gulak made his uh, Madison Square Garden debut that morning, or that afternoon, I mean, or that evening. Gosh. And uh, so that was cool to see that. And my buddy Jay and I had said, hey, we don't really have a reason to go back to the garden unless it's something special because as much as we love doing it, you know, it's expensive. It's, it's a lot of travel and, you know, but uh, we found another reason. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor co-promoting Madison Square Garden in April. I mean, we uh, bought tickets. We managed to get front row balcony, similar to where we were sitting last year. Um, or last time we went in March, that is. And I'm happy with it, you know. And then again, we got the WrestleCon convention over two days. We got uh, front row tickets to three WrestleCon shows. We got uh, general admission to another and third row balcony on the uh, Sunday Super Show. So it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great uh, night of wrestling. It's going to be a great weekend of wrestling. And I'm really looking forward to uh, to that trip here coming up in just four months in April. Gosh, it's only four months away. I mean, I started buying tickets back in August for it. So just didn't feel like, uh, you know... Getting closer. Anyhow, uh, my next uh, wrestling venture, though, looks to be possibly January 11th, uh, Limitless Wrestling in Westbrook, but most likely, or 100%, January 19th, Saturday night in uh, Orono, Maine, for Let's Wrestle. Um, it's my son uh, Kanan's uh, 13th birthday, so we're going to be sitting front row that night, and we're getting a Let's Wrestle Rumble match, which is basically like a Royal Rumble match with 30 competitors, one coming in every minute and a half. Cannot wait for this match. I mean, sincerely, very, very excited for this match. And I'm taking uh, Kanan along as well. It's part of his birthday present. Uh, the other part of his birthday present was a ticket. Is a ticket to go see Weird Al Yankovic, which he doesn't listen to the show, so hopefully he doesn't hear that. I should probably delete that. And anyways, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter. I'm at SuperstarML. You can find the webpage, TheWrestlingInsomniac.com. And this has been The Wrestling Insomniac Podcast. And I will talk to you later. Thanks. Thanks.